Welcome to Definitely Something with your hosts Lucas Bean and Tim Cook. I was in there for a little second. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was a good space. Appreciate it, bro. Your PFP is still fire to me. I'm going to have to. I don't know. I need one. Right? Yeah. It was a tough one to to find. Um, I didn't really like any of them. And then I was just like, oh, there's one that's 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 totally me right there. I like the sweatshirt he's wearing. Yo, what's up? What's going on, Slick Nick? Not much, not much. My brother just, you know those old, um, like, popper toys where, like, it was like, it's just like a little bubble. And you, like, flip it inside out and you put it on the table and then it pops up in the air. Flip it, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Rub it down. And my my brother just scared the shit out of me when one of them. Shit. Sorry, I'm getting this. I'm getting the message out to everybody here real quick. Today, you know what I'm saying. Happy. And like and retweet the pin tweet above. Logic, That's what's it. up, bro? How are you doing? I'm good, bro. I just had. My Jesus ex Scotty Pippen birthday yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Happy birthday. Big, appreciate it. Big 33. Um, yeah, I was just kind of looking up if I can get to Japan. That shit is on lock still, even though it's open. It's still like halfway open. I'm just, uh, now I'm designing websites for my next drop. It's a good day. I'm blessed, man. To be honest, I can't even complain. How y'all living? It's dope. Love hearing that. Feeling pretty good. Today's a good day. Um, I'm ready to talk about what's on the uh, the pen tweet above. Lucas, you ready to jump into that? Yeah, I wanna, uh, give me one more second. I'm trying to get the message out to a bunch of uh, communities I'm part of. But you guys can talk. start talking about it, uh, whatever you want right now. Good for me. So I'm just wondering, is anybody going to... Uh... NFT Nashville. It's uh, at the end what? of Vermont. It's not real. Don't say that's real. Really? Bro, it's real. I'm going. Oh, my God. There's so many NFT events. It's crazy. NFT Nashville is going to be NFT. Uh, Las like, Vegas. is. Uh, there you have that. Yeah. So there's Las Vegas. There's, there's Nashville. There, there's now. NFT Idaho, too. No. I'm, just, I'm fucking around. Idaho. The whole state. Bro, nobody's going to Idaho. <laughs> the whole state? <laughs> yeah, no, you got to like, have one in each capital, you know? Except NFT, for NFT Newark. Yeah, it was popping off. Newark, New Jersey. It's like, I heard that's popping off. Yeah, you don't want to go. None of that. No, I would do like NFT Seaside, though, or something like that, you know? NFT Detroit. Ooh, exciting. Y'all can have both of those. <laughs> NFT Arkansas, how about that? That sounds like a ringer. Yeah, it's going to be you you and three cows. First of all, we're not that... I mean, we are the country, but we're not that... You know what? You may see a cow. I'm not even going to sit here and... <laughs> you're going to see one or two of them. Yeah, I'm dead. What's supposed to be at this um, NFT Nashville? This is my first time hearing about it whenever before you told me about it, of course. Bro, honestly, I don't even really know. I just know that we got we ended up getting like a free hotel room and free tickets and, and stuff like that. So I'd be stupid not to go out there. 
Well, yeah, if they're paying, if they're paying for you to like fly out there and stay, like all you're doing is picking up your like incidentals, right? So it's not a big deal. Yeah, they're not paying for the flight or nothing, but I don't care. What's a flight to uh, Tennessee? It's like maybe I don't know. a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm a, I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know how long it takes to get there from the New York area. <laughs> yeah, a couple hours, not even. That's pretty dope. Yeah, it's not bad at all. I mean, you might get monkeypox, but I mean, besides that, everything's great. Bro, like that in general is like crazy to me. The state of California is in what? A state of emergency, right? Because at first Correct. it was just San Francisco. Yeah. New it's, York, too. It's California, New York, and Illinois right now. So oh, yeah, Illinois and New York. Yeah, Chicago's on lockdown, too. I think that's where Logic, is that where you're at? Chicago area? Yeah, I'm in Chicago right now. Where? Yeah. I heard the NFT, was it Tennessee? Was that what we were talking about? Right? In, in, in NFT Nashville? Yeah, uh, you gotta you you get uh, escorted on a horse drawn buggy uh, to the convention center. <laughs> That's nice though. I like a horse oh, a horse drawn buggy. Like At least you don't you don't have to ride the horse itself. There's a buggy. Bro, I've I've ridden one horse before, and not even ridden. I took a pigeon on top of it when I was in kindergarten. But horses are just too massive for me to deal with and try to control. Let me like, tell you. Let me tell you how horses are, Tim. They're fucking assholes. Okay, I would ride. I would ride on this one horse every time, and that thing hated me. I probably weighed like sixty-five pounds, wet, right? And that thing scraped me against the tree, trying to get me off its back. Thing like turned its head around, and like it definitely bit me. Like this horse, the horses are just jerks. They also decide. Like if you're like get like in a gallop with on a horse like it'll literally just decide you know what i'm gonna stop galloping right now and that guy on top of me better hold on or bye <laughs> so it's not they're hard like some horses are just like i don't know dude it's like getting a mel it's gotta get it's like getting a lemon car where thing breaks down all the time like if you get a lemon horse with a bad attitude you can't really make you can't really shake the bad attitude the horse it's crazy because like here in arizona they have wild horses out here and i have a friend that is trying to tame one that they uh just got in possession of and i think it's been like a year and some change and they still trying to break whatever habits that they have yeah good luck with that that's never gonna happen yeah i actually had a uh, one of my best friends growing up he had like a farm they had like six or seven horses and yeah, they're like if they get, you know, like frisky, they're they're tough. <laughs> yeah, there's an article I'll send to you guys about the horses, but let's try to get let's dig into our uh, space today. We got we got some people in here. We're on recording, so let's rock. Um, start with an origin story. We're lucky to have Logic in the space. What's up, Logic? And uh, I'd love to hear just like your. You're pre Web three, which, by the way, you were in like you were in the web. It wasn't like you just made the jump to like uh, you weren't like some artist. Don't get me wrong; I'm sure you were too, but you were not literally living, eating, breathing art to like make a living in the background. You actually worked for a pretty amazing company, and then you made the leap into full time Web three NFTs. Um, I'd love to hear your story, and I, I mean, you're one of the most I think one of the most successful artists in the space. Like I, I've heard all about you. I've been following your journey. It's a really, really cool story. So uh, yeah, if you can like lay it down like pre and then like post like what you're doing and stuff like that right now, that'd be, that'd be amazing. 
Yeah, no, I don't want to. I've hashed this story out so many times, man. Uh, I'm going to try to figure out a cooler way or a different way to kind of just uh, get into it. But I think it all just kind of started. Uh, I grew up in Ferguson, St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, I moved to the Boondocks, which is like a predominantly white neighborhood uh, or whatever. And I find my, I used to play college, I used to play basketball, college basketball, or whatever. And that was kind of like my only outlet to like talking to people. And I, and being out in the suburbs, there was limited access to other creative individuals. Um, so early on, around the age of 15 or 16, I understood that um, I, I stumbled across like these forums called like clan templates um, and things of, the, of that nature, uh, where it was these creative communities. But before I even stumbled upon that, SOCOM 2 actually got me into the world of digital art uh, because our clan on that video game had a clan website. And then through that, the person who was our leader, I, I still remember his name. His name was uh, Thrash. That was his handle. And uh, he was a graphic designer. And uh, I just got introduced to the world of designing website templates and uh, signatures on forums through video games. And I actually learned to design through step-by-step uh, -step tutorials on blog, website type deals, and just being a part of these forum communities where they were so active, all you have to do is like refresh the uh, the page and it would be like these crazy updates, just that's how active the website was. You can, it's still up, all of our websites are uh, archived, it's called clantemplates.com. And uh, I was shitty at designing at the beginning, so I used uh, the power of uh, Macromedia Flash. So this website, Clan Templates, had this this staff uh, area. So you can I would get freelance gigs through this thing, and it was like design competitions. It was crazy. I was using like Ventrilo and Teamspeak way back in the day, playing Counter Strike 1.6 and uh, all type of stuff. Um, Team Fortress. World of Warcraft and all those things. And I was designing the websites for them, but I, I was terrible. And Clan Templates had this a staff web, a staff area where people would come to Clan Templates where they would actually download um, uh, very, they would be stock websites uh, for free. But then you can request custom designs from the staff of Clan Templates and get you something uh, super bespoke for your team. Uh, and I wanted to be on that team so bad because it was like, they were like the gods of uh, <laughs> the forum. And since I sucked at design uh, back in the day, I, I I knew that limited amount of people understood how to do flash animation. So if you got some motion tweens in there and learn how to fade things in and out, then that was my way of designing banners for, <laughs> for uh, the other people who were on the team. And then that way I was able to still get jobs and things of that nature because uh, basically I took the same type of formula for corporate America of like uh, you get known for one thing to get your foot in the door and then when it's like a Trojan horse and then once you get in, you go crazy. Like I do these, all of these things and you can collaborate with the people that you want to collaborate with. So I just use the, 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 I guess the less common thing of, you know, understanding that animation factor and that's how I really really got started uh, and this is a way for me to uh, create art that I could communicate with other people versus just drawing like uh, pen pencil drawings and stuff and I was living on this island in the boondocks a black kid surrounded by around a bunch of white kids 
Um, and it was my way of communicating with the outside world versus me just playing AAU basketball. So that's really how I got started, man. Like by the time I was 17, Blizzard Entertainment offered me a job uh, to move out to Irvine, California. But I just I wanted to go play college basketball where I played a bit Division One before I went to art school at Columbia College Chicago where I got my degree in animation and film and video. So, yeah, man, it was just, that was kind of like the beginning of it all, to be honest. And it was understanding that if I wanted, I saw the future, man. I saw like, I was designing websites. I was selling web hosting. I was flipping domains way early, bro, 2006, 2007. And uh, my parents had to make me get a job because I was doing just fine on a computer. Uh, I got my first $15 on PayPal and I was fucking hooked. And uh, I was like, I didn't even leave my fucking living room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, bro, that's that's a bit of the beginning. Um, and through that, that ingenuity of like getting those low hanging fruits, uh, like for instance, me doing an animation just to get my foot in the door, um, I, I quickly realized that um, if my whole goal was always to create my own version of Disney and for me to create something of Disney that took resources a holistic understanding of, I guess, which one I call it universal truths and being able to articulate things of, like in my artistry and how do I become an artist that's much more than, uh, I feel like I had this notion back in high school, I'm meant to paint more than uh, a basket of fruit. You know what I'm saying? Like that traditional like art piece, the little fruit falling out the fucking uh, wick basket or whatever. I was like, how can I do shit to actually touch people uh, uh, influence people, et cetera, et cetera. And it was really always just trying to make myself draw things that weren't there and create things that were much more than the, the, the acrylic or oil on a canvas. And how do I really create these worlds in which people can step inside of? And I knew that I had to take, uh, I knew I had to do that, um, uh, like through corporate structures, but that was always a question. Like, how do I understand macro and microeconomics? How do I understand commercial artistry? How to, but and then also understand the underground cultures. And when you take all these uh, little bits and pieces and you add them to the pot, you got a cold motherfucker right there. And I just I just really took that uh, notion of really creating these worlds uh, that wasn't fucking vanilla, that spoke to people intimately. And uh, and really, that's what's been driving me, man, this entire time, just creating these worlds. And when Web3 presented itself, my whole history of communicating with devs back in the day, learning a little bit about C++, ActionScript, uh, HTML or whatever, but then also designing websites and communicating with devs to get the websites done and really understanding that it's like learning early on that it was a set of variables. If this happens, then that happens. And if that doesn't happen, then this happens. When I started really understanding that shit and then I learned about the blockchain and then smart contracts and then you start to get stuff, you read the, uh, the fucking NFT Bible that I'll send to any scrub or new newbie coming into the space you when you learn stuff about like crypto kitties being able to replicate fuck the kitties the fact that two images on a fucking blockchain can make a third image is fucking stupid so i was like wow this is nuts and then you start to learn about like and fan down there has heard me say this a billion times then i heard you know then i see like people like mirapok or mad dog jones um really pushing a narrative in regards to like yeah they making art but they really like uh, creating something uh, uh, that, that draws curiosity and like it makes you wonder and makes you really interact with the type of art that's far beyond just these these little JPEG things on, on, on the blockchain. And I think a lot of artists, which is kind of crazy, not crazy because it makes sense, um, me having like my underground 
uh, art relationships, I'm used to seeing artists sleep on the couch, uh, you know, to sacrifice for the the greater vision of what they're doing, what they what they want. And oftentimes in this space, it breeds a unnatural or unrealistic sense of how long it really takes for a motherfucker go to the moon. And when we're evaluating a lot of projects on a three-month scale, it's fucking stupid because, and then you got a lot of people inheriting like these 6,000, uh, these 6K followers, and they don't even know where to go with these things. I just learned so much about process. I learned from the homies that create music videos and art with no capital, and then they garner millions of views. They work with your favorite brands, and then you work on a million-dollar commercial, and we paying hella ad dollars just to get a quarter million views on YouTube. It just, you know, you start to see the formulas and, uh, and the rawness uh, that really adds to somebody just being dope or uh, brands or people really just uh transcending what i like to call trends which is most of what this stuff is existing right now is trendy and what happens with a trend they have expiration dates so this entire my entire decade i know i've been jumping all over the place but this entire past decade of my career has been to not become a fucking trend how to create with legs how to only fuck with people that's rocking with me and not really asking for attention i think this this space really breeds a lot of crybabies, uh, excuse me if I'm wrong, but it's just like, yo, people like, why don't nobody pay attention to me? Why don't nobody, you know, it's like, fuck that. Like be, create to be undeniable. Like how, like it just be blowing my mind. Like if, if you ask somebody to follow you or whatever the fuck, does that make you feel good? Does that strengthen the situation in which the art that you're releasing if they're not genuinely interested? My thing is, man, like I've always been this way and it's like, you can follow me if you want. That don't mean I'm going to hit you with the follow back because it's not a really about that. It's like I follow people that don't follow me. And it's this thing of just like moving in your truth because you spend so much time wondering why is why when my turn versus just <laughs> laying down a heat rock. You cannot deny dope shit. So this entire journey I've been on is really like working at Google and all these corporate places wasn't for me to be the best fucking creative director in the planet. It was really a, a game for me. It was really like how when I knew when I smoked a blunt in front of the CEO of Leo Burnett and still had my job the next day, like inside the building, because it's like, yo, you hiring me for my mind. And it really just allowed for you to see that most people try to retrofit themselves for the space in which they want to occupy. And at the end of the day, you just look like a cutout of everybody else. You remember them look when you make them look people and they all holding hands on a piece of paper? That's what motherfuckers be looking like. And it's like, yo, you got to take a step back, bro. Like, uh, and I think sports, Tim, you probably can uh, relate to this a bit. Like, I took a lot of uh, things from sports. Like, I learned how to lose because you realize not losing. You gonna you got another game next week. And you learn, like, oh, shit, dude really ripped me when I was going to the rack because I showed the ball. I was telegraphing the passes, whatever those things may be. And you just learn that it's not the end of the world. And then one of the things that I learned when I used to, I was a pretty, I, was, I played a bit of division one back in the day. And when I was in high school, uh, I didn't like to come out. Like, uh, and then you learn these tools. And my example is um, if we, if it's, a, if we in crunch time and we need a defender, like we need to stop the ball and your ass can't play defense. So you got mud in your shoes. You coming out the game. And if we need a three to tie the thing or to come up one and you got your ass can't shoot, you coming out the game. 
And if you if you get shut down because you can't dribble, you coming out the game. I didn't like to come out the game. So I knew how to shoot. I knew how to dribble. I knew how to shoot that motherfucker. And I knew how to play defense. And it was this thing of the same. I, I, attributed, I attributed the same thing. Like, you can't replace me. There's no one on this bench that can replace me. The same thing that you can, uh, you got to look at yourself as an entity when you're navigating corporate structures. You're not getting hired to be a creative director or art director. You're hiring to, to fuck some shit up. You hiring, yes, to fulfill your duties as this, but you also are hired to change up and to capitalize on opportunities and things of that nature. So it was this whole thing of like in these corporate structures, you're not hiring a creative director, you're not hiring an art director, you're hiring fucking logic. Like my email at Google was Julian dot logic or Julian logic at Google.com. Like I rocked that shit through there. And it was this thing of like, you're not just hiring, you know what I'm saying? So it was this. If Yo, I can I that, come in on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, man, because I can talk all Bro, day. you are saying, like, some good alpha right now because you want people to hire you for you. Like, regardless of what other talent is out there, nobody can replace Logic, right? That's how I felt my whole life in regards to sports and whatever else I've set my mind to. Like, even if somebody does it differently, maybe better, it's just not me. Like, it's I'm still going to give you my 110%. And I'm bringing so much more than just the basic to the table. I totally feel that. And I want other individuals to know, don't look for, um, what is it called, uh, validity. Don't look for other people to validate you. You validate yourself. Confidence kills. Don't be cocky. Don't be a, a B word or ignorant. Like, be humble. But no, nobody can replace you, bro. Like, at all, and that goes to everybody in Web3. I don't look for people to follow me back either. It's either you do or you don't. You like what I'm talking about. You like the people I hang with. You want to associate. And maybe we connect, network on spaces one day, and we can get a, a, a conversation going. Because I connect with so many different people on so many different levels. And I love Web3 because it introduced me to a lot of different individuals that sports which it does too, but it's a different, it's a different, um, it's a different type of network in here. And I love what everybody has to say. Logic, you dropping some alpha though, bro. Yeah, bro. That shit was better than anything Tony Robbins ever said. I promise you that. Right. So tell us your journey, my man. Like you, you were literally working at, were you working at Google at the time? And then you were like, you know what? I really like, I'm really going to just dip my toe in this NFT space. And then once you did that, you were like, this is better than working at Google. It made you it made you basically jump in, like head first into the uh, Web three and NFT space. Like, tell us that story where you made the transition. Yeah, bro. So, just just for I guess context, um, before I got to Google, I created a subsidiary agency called Naomi and Leo Burnett, which is named after the wife of Leo. And I had a SWAT team of five to six people. Um, and again, I did this just to see if I can do it. And uh, and again, a lot of artists or whatever, when you, it's all about creating proof of concept, in my opinion, just like try this shit out, whatever, whatever. And it made me very palatable for something like Google. So I got headhunted because at, at the end of the day, I knew that, uh, Leo Burnett was going to be my last agency. Then I was going to do my own thing because it just didn't make sense no more. Uh, so then I created Naomi and then, uh, I got headhunted by Google and I was like, yo, I just got to see, I got to get a peek behind the curtain. And to be honest, Google was just a function. It was just something to add to 
the things that I already knew. It was to meet fucking brilliant minds. It wasn't to be a fucking amazing creative director. I didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. It was the, and that was just me. Let me, let me fake the fun. Let me go in there, uh, do my duties and meet people and then do, and then meet somebody and create my own little thing inside of the world of Google. That was the, that was my plan. And then it was also kind of like a college degree. Once I get that, get that bitch on my resume, I can do whatever I want. I can get a job at any place I want to. This is really just understanding the psychology of people, man. It's just so stupid. It's really just understanding what people value or whatever. So by me adding Google to my resume, that was like getting a master's degree, blah, 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 blah. I get those things. The same reason why I went from a black, uh, a black agency to a general market agency or a white market agency. They use general market to make it look good because I didn't want to get pigeonholed and I wanted them to see that I can do more than just quote unquote black work, right? It's all the psychology of people. So when I got to Google, it was really just, again, to meet the brilliant minds behind it, to learn more so about, uh, to become more, become to mature my own work efforts, to be fully autonomous in a place like that, which was amazing. I learned so much. Um, so when I was at Google, man, I, you know, it was the pandemic. Uh, I got on Clubhouse, Lady Phoenix. I was doing onboarding things about like how to navigate corporate structures as a creative, blah, blah, blah. And then Lady Phoenix came in. I met this woman named Lady Phoenix. If you haven't heard her, she was the one that introduced people to Clubhouse and was like pioneering drop parties on Clubhouse, all type of stuff. She's a fucking legend. And uh, she spelled out OpenSea, like O-P-E-N-S-E-A, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, what are these things? And all she had to do was say origin or provenance. And like I said earlier, I was already flipping domains as a kid. So I was like, yo, that's fucking digital assets. I've been doing this shit forever. And then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I had so many cartoons, like a lot of, like I'm about to drop the, uh, the episode, uh, the adventures of black man. I have five episodes done and I was just making those shit things for shits and giggles. Again, call, the first episode is literally called practice on my iPad. And I was like, wow, I have some place to put this shit. I have some place to put all the things that I've been making. And I just spent countless hours in these rooms. Again, when I started seeing, I was, I onboarded, bro, I probably onboarded the first 90, probably the first 60% of the people, no cap, on Clubhouse that then permeated to however they opened up their rooms. It was crazy because I had a room called How to Make It as an Artist, which then, of course, turned into How to Make It as an NFT Artist, blah, blah, blah. But I onboarded so many people into the space. And the thing for me was I just saw the signals, the same signals I saw as to why uh, South by Southwest in 2012, uh, where people had dirty flip-flops and tank tops. And then four years later, people got Margiela and Gucci on. You see, and then and then after that, you see the same group of people uh, 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 graduate to fucking Art Basel and watch how Art Basel went from like, if you know, you know type situation to everybody and their mama's going. So when you start to see these, these same signals, whether it's an artist who no one knew about and everybody in the fucking Chicago area knew, knows about Chief Keef or Chance the Rapper or Joe Fresh Goods, and then uh, two or three years later, you got to see that process of local notoriety to global stardom. When you start, when you keep seeing these same type of responses um, in different places, and I would take myself, I call it intentional learning. I will always just take myself to just shut the fuck up and be present. I wasn't going to South by Southwest to be a patron or just a fan of the music. I wasn't going to Art Basel. To learn. Just, 
Yeah, bro. It's like to see cultural cues, to see why people like Army Fatigue this year and then Perry Winkle the next year. And when you start to see these things on purpose, when you're in a boardroom with anybody, they did more jump shots. They went in a gym shooting with me. When we're talking about cultural nuances and when we pitching commercials, when we're trying to uh, uh, cherry pick fucking talent that are influencers uh, to be in our commercials or our billboards, most of the people that's doing this don't have no context as to why that person is the person they are. But when bro, I'm in those that rooms, is so <laughs> true. I study sociology, bro. So that's what I study at Oregon State. So that's right up my alley. And taking classes like psychology, all the ologies, psychology, anthropology, um, which means this ology, ology just means the study of which, which you are referring to. You're studying things. You're studying people, why they do certain things, why they react this way, looking at cultural differences, how this can type of marketing can benefit this type of uh, these type of people use this platform, blah, 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 bro. This is exactly what I study. This is great combo, by the way. Because I'm learning. I'm like a fly on the wall, too. <laughs> I like to listen to other people's story, see how they maneuver it, see how they their, their story can help others. Because I network with so many people that I want to bring my people around the new friends that I make along the way. Bro, like, yeah, man. And I think one of the, the thing that, whether you're an entrepreneur or artist, we fail to think how long something really takes. And I knew early on if I front-ended all of this not sleeping, uh, just being in the trenches, that I knew that my energy will be even more finite when I hit the age of 30. So it's like, yo, I don't only need a pallet on the floor. I, if, at, at the very least, I know there's a McDonald's at <laughs> those places. And I knew that it, I was like, yo, if I have all this understanding by the time I'm 30 uh, or 28 or whatever, then... I'll be, I have so much more of an understanding as how the world works because being a black kid from Ferguson, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, I already knew that I was in a fucking bubble and I didn't understand or know anything. So I had to, I had to self-educate to be honest. And when we're talking about the irreplaceable situation, that's what made me valuable in the boardroom and marketing, advertising and Google, because most of those people just go to work and go home. Most of those people are just consumers. Most of those people only got their degree in the classroom. They don't really know people. They don't really be, uh, they're not really tinkerers, really. They just know how to advertise uh, from data. And once you realize that, it was like, yeah, we can talk about uh, this event or we can talk about this activation. Or we can talk about the, these words that we're using on this billboard, but none of you were, don't even use this word or none of you, none of you were there to even see culture pop in the first place. So if I, it was like, you couldn't really debate with me. I was an X factor. I was a, it, and I understood that power. So when I got to Google, man, it was, again, after I was navigating, again, I was a standout, but I was just trying to figure out how to retro, uh, how to fit the way I was thinking into their whole ecosystem. So while I was doing that, um, while I was learning about NFTs and things of that nature, there was one, there was a, a project that I was working on and I, it was a Web3 project. And I was the only one that knew what Web3 was. I was the only one telling all the creative directors in my entire team what NFTs. And they looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. That's like, oh, this is cool. This is like, you know. And then uh, I pitched an idea with the Web3. And after two iterations of them saying, this is cool, but we don't get it, uh, I was about 45% done with my project called The Plug, which is 888 NFTs that react to my collectors. Um, 
based on smart contract uh, 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 magic or whatever. So when I was- What year was, was this? On, bro, I dropped my project October of 2021, uh, a week before NF, the first big NFT NYC. Oh, I started out in like okay, two okay, hours. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much created the implicit staking situation that Moonbirds used, but I just used it like, I created it way before they did, like a year before they did. Um, so me just understanding like all those things, man. And I was like, okay, so I'm spending this time trying to take on more work in this place to try to in incorporate web three and I'm getting so much pushback and I'm waiting for them to pay me every two weeks. My money gets vested, which is cool. They pay you a lot of fucking money at that place. But I was like, this is stupid. We're talking about sovereignty. We're talking about web three space. We're talking about ownership. We're talking about royalties. And here I am on this side, trying to ask for more work to give them my sauce uh, <laughs> and, and no one understands what the fuck is going on. So I was like, yo, this is crazy. Bro, you've been asking for this the whole time and you out here trying to sell yourself short. So I actually get taken out. I hit the other um, creative director. I say, yo, uh, on our Google Meet chat, he's like, one, you're either frustrated shit or two, you don't want any more part of it. <laughs> I said both. Uh, you mind taking me off the project? Um, and he took me off the project and I was like, let me just mosey on and do the, the, the roles that I'm tasked to do and I spent the rest of that time finishing my project the plug and by the time I launched it and this is when we we start to get into the trenches of people like uh the validation and people fucking whining asking for people to pay attention to them you gotta put in work man you gotta love this shit so before I even dropped the plug I did an onboarding I, I collaborated with a gallery here in, in Chicago called um uh called I'm Not Art um I created a whole campaign the week before my drop on that Friday, on a Monday, I did a whole, a whole four-hour onboarding situation called What the Fuck Are NFTs? I wish I could find the video on my tweets. I'll find it somewhere and post it up top. I had two packed out onboarded over 100 people into NFTs because I knew it was going to be a lot of people's first NFTs. And then we had people to, so people can have their wallets set up before Friday. I did all type of shit. And then by the time I did my, my drop on Friday, I had 145 minutes in Chicago alone. Um, and then by the time I hit the internet, I, I sold out of 888 in less than two hours. So the remaining 800, the remaining, uh, some of the 888. And at that moment, that project had garnered, I think around, what was that? ETH was hella high at that time. I made like 64 ETH or something like that. It was like, or something around, it was like 331K my project had generated. I made my fucking salary and bonus in, in less than two hours. I was like, bro, uh, <laughs> Uh, I think I, I think I figured something, something out. And this is when, and the reason why, the reason why I dropped this particular project like this, and then this also goes in playing chess versus checkers. Again, it's a psychology of people, the plug, the way I created it, which is get juiced out today. If you're wondering what, what we talking about when it's, it's like hitting people, hitting the space on two sides, right? Art is leading the, the pack, right? Whatever. So it's the plug, make some awesome art, make it provocative. But then you also have to understand nerds operate the space. Nerds actually push the space. So how can I show my competency on a blockchain? And I and I knew I had to create something uh, personally because I knew I'd create something that was, uh, that showed that I used my fucking noggin. And then the smart contract where you had this whole implicit staking feature, the longer you hold it, the more juice you get. If you sell it before 100%, it revert back to 1% on the secondary market. No one's seen that shit before. So even whether you like the art or not, and you're, you're a nerd, you're going to 
be kind of interested just based on pushing the narrative or pushing the envelope in this space. So now I'm hitting both sides. I'm hitting art enthusiasts and I'm hitting the people that are fucking blockchain maxis, smart contract maxis, whatever. And then that was the thing that, that helped push me forward. If I was just over here sitting over here pushing art, yes, I would have people that are a fan of my art. But now my conversations are a bit different, whether I'm in business spaces, because uh, now I can advise on things because most people still haven't done these things. So it's all about tinkering and creating proof of concepts when we're talking about longevity, because the art is subjective, but the, the, the technology is not. So uh, when you start, you got to start playing chess and not checkers. And I think a lot of this stuff be going over artists' heads just because I guess the context and really understanding how long something takes. Like I've been doing this shit for over a decade and my juice didn't come out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It took time and time and time. And here people feel like they drop six pieces on a blockchain and they talk to their first uh, few artists in the space and they suppose all of a sudden sell. And that's just not realistic. But um, yeah, by just generating my salary and bonus in those few hours, uh, it really just the universe was speaking to me that I was like, yo, um, I think it's time for you to just kind of do what the fuck you want to do. And, uh, uh, or, you know, just could just, you got to take the leap, you know what I'm saying? Or else I, I wouldn't be able to do the things I'm doing now if I was still full, uh, full-time employee. So that's where I'm at, right. man. This is amazing, bro. That's, that is amazing story, my friend. And I can tell you what you did, like even people, even though you made your you said you made your salary in like two hours, which is amazing people are still reluctant to leave their jobs for this because of the volatility, because of, Hey, I made my salary, but why don't I make my salary and work at this place? You know what I mean? Like get the double benefit of doing both. And uh, I see a lot of people like also not taking the leap because they just don't know. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, I think 99% of people are not like you or not like me and uh, not like Tim where they're, they actually don't take the risk. They, they don't want to like risk their 401k or their life savings or, you know what I mean? Like not being able to find a job if they fail. But it's like, I always think like, don't think that way. Why don't you think of like, but what if I succeed? Well, you know Lucas, like, you, there's no way you, to find out. Lucas, you know, you, you remember I quit my job in March. I was working at yep. a, an accounting firm and I mean, I was making 85k a year, which was not as great as I would have liked at, from my experience, but uh, it was, you know, better than nothing for sure. It was better than my previous job at, a, at another accounting firm. I had benefits, health insurance. But I said, you know what, like, screw this because the, and, and my logic and I, I had a long conversation with my mom about it, like trying to make the decision. And I said, the logic is, you know, if I stay here, I'm going to, you know, I'm capped. I'm making I'm making 80,000 a year. Sure, I have benefits. Sure, there's security. And I think that's the problem. People get so comfortable in the security but when you go off on your own, and not that I stopped doing taxes, I'm still doing taxes, I have my own practice, um, but you know, I control my hours, I work when I wanna work, and sure, I don't get a regular paycheck, but my potential is unlimited, right? I could make, make $40,000 a year, I could make $400,000 a year. But I, I think that's what stops people, is the, the, the refusal to leave your comfort zone. Yeah. You got to be comfortable uh, with being uncomfortable. Like, I know that sounds simple to, like, to say, but a lot of people don't actually do the action. I used to get up at 5 o'clock every morning and be busy till 9, 10 o'clock at night and have to do it all over again. That's uncomfortable. For 10-plus years doing that, that's uncomfortable. You got to leave home. 
you don't even have to leave the state. Leave your town. Leave your city. Go experience a different right? environment. Introduce yourself to new people, new ideas, a new type of logic. You see what I did there? Yup. Well played. Well played, sir. Yeah, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a like when you when you're especially when you're working at Google, and I agree, having Google on your resume is literally write your own ticket later at any time. Because uh, Google is a harder harder place to get a job than like getting accepted to Harvard right now. It's interesting. Um, so that's why a lot of people would be like, you know, why am I? What am I doing? Why am I leaving? Why why, why would I do this to myself? And uh, in this case, like it was a really, I think it was a really smart move, especially if you've got the motivation and like plan to do this and like take it to the next level every single time. I think it's ridiculously smart. What's uh, what's the future hold for hold for Logic right now, man? What's the plans? Yeah, man. I think it's what I've been doing the entire time. I've been uh, as a kid. I've been fat. My I've been fascinated with films. My dad used to work for a movie distribution company and advertising, so I would get like promotional copies of all the films when I was a kid before they even went to Blockbuster. So I would they would like go black and white for like ten minutes through the movie and say, "This is not for sale. Uh, this is just for, for promotional use only." And when I got I got to see almost every genre, bro. Hood films, fucking horror films, fucking I had all the little rascals, the black and white joints, every, you know, volume. Uh, so I just got fascinated with like the, the world of Walt Disney, um, Tim Burton, and just like, I used to make film and I used to make my cousins act in my films when I was a kid. And then I would, uh, on the cassette, and then I would have to, I would try to edit it on two VCRs, pressing, pressing stop and record <laughs> uh, to cut the joints up. And, um, so now with just this, this, and again, all that was tinkering, just in a curiosity, um, and is carrying over. I've already created, started putting out the, the pieces of immersive experiences, whether it was me doing an immersive drive-in theater, which you'll see on a rollout of the, the adventures of black men, where I had, uh, my 3000 square foot art studio that I just left or moved from that I was living in for three years where my collectors in Chicago came through and I actually had these like car beds in the studio and we watched uh, factory girl and I had like a, I had a shelf, a chef. And then I had two, two servers on roller skates serving the food to the, to the people in the car beds, just really just uh, not making it just more than the, the animation itself, but really giving people something to remember. Uh, Cause most of the shit is kind of lackluster or boring, especially when you get into uh, the idea of like those Instagram uh, bait uh, photo op experiences, you know what I'm saying? They just be like, yo, this shit is kind of lame and um, doesn't have like the 29 rooms or whatever. That shit just don't really be hitting the mark for me. So it's really to create my own version of Disney. And uh, the world of Web3 has allowed for me to make that really feel like it's a real thing. Um, so like me leaving something like my comfort zone of Google, it just gave me so much more time to create these animations, uh, to tinker the way I was tinkering when I was a teenager, because I did all the upfront that I needed to do in regards to uh, cultural understanding, I guess, even though there's more, but those foundations in which my thing was as a black man to get into these corporate rooms and people shut the fuck up and uh, let me do my thing and to be taken seriously because it's a thing. Most people that look at me, you know, you know, that don't know me from a can of paint, uh, you don't get service at the places. 
Uh, they think you're not about to tip or, you know, or you go into a room and they don't even look at you. They looking at the other dude that got the suit on or whatever the fuck it is. But now the whole narrative for me has been changing. You know what I'm saying? So especially with the world of Web3, my background, and that was just, just those things. Like, I got my college degree. You can't say shit else. Let me in this room. So now uh, in this full me doing whatever I want to do. I've been learning Japanese. I have a Japanese language group for black and brown people. So just trying to create- How's that been going? People. Oh, it's great. Um, it's How great. long have you been doing it? Uh, two years, about a year and a half, two years. And we have about, we've had about a couple hundred black and brown people globally come through our schools called Chiba Center. Uh, we've had people who's this guy named uh, Demario sign. Uh, he's a truck driver. I think he's from Nashville actually. Um, and he went from Zill to like, he's damn near fluent. Uh, and it's crazy because he took the classes. He, he's, he's a double a truck driver who has a partner. And when we have class, his, his partner just drives and he hasn't missed a class yet. And he actually hosts classes. So we got peer to peer classes. We have two teachers in Japan or senseis, if you will. And we got one in Chicago and we, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and it's really open doors for me being able to speak the language of the third largest economy in the world. So these type of deals is really just setting me up because whether I want to work with an anime studio in Japan, because uh, I can communicate with them and, and capitalize off those relationships. The fucking, the fucking, uh, when it's endless, the possibilities are fucking endless. <laughs> it's stupid. It is dumb. And like, uh, like even speaking at places like VCon where somebody, Gary V is actually picking the individuals and then I'm coming off stage and the notoriety that I've gotten now, I'm in cahoots with uh, some of their subsidiaries, the banner media advising on certain projects again. So if we're talking about me, you see logic fucking making circles. It's like, bro, I'm making, I'm trying to just educate people on equity and stuff like that because I want to be able to create freely without uh, whether you like my circles that I'm painting or not. It's really now those proof of concepts, if you will, like the plug that I created. Now I can talk to these Web3 companies because they don't have the understanding of uh, smart contracts and shit like that. So when artists are really trying to figure this shit out, it's like you already know what the issue is, solve the problem. You are like my thing was sustainability. And I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but this allowed for me to build worlds and really realize that this Disney thing is real. So if you don't know what the plug is, the reason why I created it, and this is like reverse engineering your problem and then solving for that thing. So my thing was, um, like I have a history of right of watching people, let's just say Chance the Rapper go from, I've seen him do a, a acapella at the age of 17 or 16 when no one knew who he was to him being on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. And it was these things of, that took fucking time. And it took a lot of effort for him to get his stuff around, a Joe Freshness, et cetera. So when you start to see those things, it's like, wow, man, when I do my art, it takes me a minute too. So then when you, when this space doesn't, most people don't have that understanding that making something of quality of someone to be, to become the alchemist, if you will, that shit takes a minute <laughs> in this space. They'd be like three months. They'd be like, they met your project and two weeks later, they'd be like, yo, when token, when moon, when Lambo. And I'm just like, yo, this just doesn't make sense, bro. It doesn't, it's not realistic if the blockchain is theoretically here forever. So the reason why I created the plug was to sustain my career in this space because I understood that I saw the turnover happening because I saw the inception of NFTs on Clubhouse. I saw how many people came in, went, came and went, came and went. Then I saw the adoption of Twitter spaces. The turnover went.
people were on top. People were hosting hella rooms, like fucking 88, 888 Rise or whatever the fuck his name is. And all those other people come and go, come and go, come and go. And it's like, yo, it'd be so fast where no one knows who Logic is in the space, potentially, right? Or any artist. So how do I keep people engaged without fucking dropping a PFP project that's weak as hell, blah, 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 that I'm not necessarily prepped for? So the reason why I created the plug is because I wanted to create a community around me of people who actually wanted to be with me for the long run and not because they saw 6 ETH around the corner. Because 6 ETH is a lot of fucking money. And to be honest with you, I don't know a lot of people in real life that just got 6 ETH to be tossing around all willy-nilly. So it was this thing of like, the sustainability of this space in me as a person and my my mental. So if you buy my NFT, you start at 1%. You start as a fly on the wall, like everybody does, in any degree, or any, uh, 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 y'all yeah, know what I'm saying, in any, in any spectrum of any industry, yeah. Of any industry, you all start as a fly on the wall. And every 60 days, you mature 1%, 17%, 33%, et cetera. And you sell that bitch before it gets 100%, it reverts back to 1%. I don't even tell you how long it takes to get to the alchemist, which is where it will never go back to 1%. It's because in all of our careers, we go through ebbs and flows. So the thing is, is like that level of uncertainty. You knew how long it took to get to the, the stage right before the final, but are you going to paperhand Lodge's career? Tim, are you going to paperhand your own career? Lucas, do you paperhand your own career? New, uh, Young, you were talking about like you quit your job. Do you paperhand you quitting and go back? Maybe, maybe not. But this thing is, if you pay for him, my career lose faith in me, let somebody else who's rocking with your boy get in on get in, and then they can rock with me, uh, quote unquote, to the moon or whatever on this fucking rocket ship. So what that does is, now every time I drop, I got about 570 people built into this, this, this token, if you will, this implicit staking mechanic that I created that are interested to see your boy win. That really has, uh, they're in, in cahoots with my long-term vision. And uh, just what this space is, it doesn't have tastemakers in it. It doesn't breed cultural standing. It doesn't, it's so weird, but it's okay because of the people who adopted it early. But again, this goes into understanding the psychology of people and understanding trends and how people are the turnover in the space. So I created that to create a foundation under my brand or me as a person. Uh, and I can build on that. It was only 888. I can, I can add another edition if I want to, but now... And I'll end on this. The reason why I created that that's such a strong blockchain component is because this is the room for nerds. This is the room for art collectors. And with that competency expressed on a blockchain, you're going to be curious as to what else I do next. But as I'm doing other things that are uh, really tapping into the potential of the blockchain, I can drop fucking cartoons. I can drop animations that don't have nothing to do with no type of smart contracts. But you can see that I'm not just out here for shits and giggles. And I'm out here uh, playing chess and I fucking checkers. And when you you can get a piece of the, the pie if you want, but it's just, it gave me the liberty to now drop a one-on-one that doesn't necessarily have to have all the smarty, smart contract shit behind it. But I, the people that got the plug understand that the the at the bare minimum, the extent of what I'm capable of in this space. And, uh, and that's to create a version of Disney uh, that has yet to exist. So let's fucking get it. Uh, yeah. I love it, man. You got so much passion. It's crazy how much passion you have. Mad respect to that alone. A lot of people like lose that after a while. But man, you you are uh, you're definitely ready. I think you're gonna do it with that much passion and that much energy behind it. You're gonna you're gonna crush it. That's dope. 
I kind of want to know what's next, though. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You say what, bro? I want to know what's next. Like, what's what's the most what's the most recent the thing most you've been working on? Yeah, the most ne- the most next thing. <laughs> I can't I can't talk about. I do have a janitor project that I'm working on. I can't tell you what the mechanic is because a bastardized version of it will exist literally in a week or two, um, and I'm, I can't have that because then I just won't be able to sleep. Um, but I am working on a janitor project. It's going to be unlike any other janitor project. And before I created it, uh, or while I was creating it, um, I just feel like a lot of these projects that we have don't really ladder up to something. Uh, you get some stickers and a fanny pack or something. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I think when we start getting into NFTs, or when you call them digital assets or whatever you want to call them, that they should be a part of your everyday or part of your lifestyle. The same way I wanted to create something as honest as the plug in regards to some people, a lot of people actually have said that the plug is actually in in court in, uh, in tangent with the way they move in real life. They was like, yo, I started as a flying wall here and now I'm actually a mover and shaker in NFTs or, or in their, in their careers or what have you. So to now with this thing uh, that I'm creating a generative project, it will be something that is literally a part of your everyday, a part of your repertoire, a part of who you are, and you'll be able to track those things effortlessly. Um, and I, I'm just being as ambiguous as possible, but I just feel like the, a lot of these projects are unrealistic. Got to be on a Discord for 12 hours, then you got to do this, and then you come to this thing, and you get a hoodie, and then you hanging out with people you really don't even care to see for real, or you see them at three different events. That's not fucking sustainable. We just saw what happened at NFC and YC, um, or just even all these conferences. There's only so many events doodles can do. And I'm being fucking, I'm being, this is, it's only so many events that these PFP projects can do before it kind of loses its whatever. And everybody want to promise cartoons, everybody want to promise comic books, but let's just be, most of these comic books ain't worth 30 ETH or 10 ETH in these events or not. You know what I'm saying? These memberships to these things. Totally. So when we start to look at the future as to what this shit is, so it's like creating um, a form and function uh, with my next project. But before I drop that, I'm dropping uh, episode one um, of the Adventures of Black Man. And if you have a plug, you'll be able to get uh, the two-part feature, which will pretty much grant you access to Mint episode two. It's only five episodes of the first season. I'm already pretty much done with all five of them. And uh, like I said, episode one was literally called Practice on my fucking um, iPad. Now it's called Rebirth uh, episode one. And... um, yeah, man, it's a, I'm excited for it. And this is, and I have a lot of things that I'm advising for and things of that nature, but my generative project and my first five episodes of the adventures of black man is what's in the, and a couple one of ones, I'm gonna drop a couple one of ones here and there, but uh, those are the big things I'm working on. Cause I think they'll set some standards. That's dope. Let me, let me ask you a question here. So now, so if I bought one of your NFTs of, of the 888s, um, that percentage is like 1% of, I don't know. I don't know how that works exactly, but let's just say it's, I buy in at the lowest level, which is 1% over a certain amount of months. Let's just say, uh, six months of holding that NFT. You said it goes up in value. Tell me a little bit more about that. So people understand, you know, when they, when they give, grab an 888, they want to, I want to know how that works. Yeah. So if you buy, none of them have uh, matured to a hundred percent. So there are no alchemists, uh, currently because, I released the project in October. Uh, so it takes about 12 months to get to um, the the sensei level, which is one level before 
the alchemist, which I don't tell you how long it takes to get to the alchemist. Um, you're going to just have to hold it or sell it or whatever the fuck you want to do. But if you sell, if you buy any of those before hundred percent, Lucas, like if you got one at 83%, it'll revert back to 1% on the secondary market. So when you get it, it starts over. Um, and mm-hmm. for me as an artist, I can isolate my, the rankings based on, um, how long people have supported me. And I can say everyone that is this ranking and above can mint this project. Everyone that's this ranking can mint the Tim Cook and Logic collaboration. Everyone that did this, you can mint this type of NFT. Or like if I do another drop, people that have certain rankings, I can pretty much per metadata, I can allow for a different rare distribution based on my supporters. And and, and you can differentiate yourself based on uh, how long you've been a part of my ecosystem. I love that. So you basically can reward people for how long they've been a member, which is dope. Yeah. And um, there are three different properties. There's a Nomad, which is like 600 of Nomad. There's only eight St. Louis. And there's like 160 uh, Chicago versions, which I, me and my dev, we front-ended all of the first Chicago versions in Chicago uh, because I wanted the people, like black and brown people, to be the first to get my rare ones. And then every like 88 or something, we we, we dropped the St. Louis one because there's only eight of those. And the reason why, this is like, you can do social good. Like I, I, I front-ended the most rare ones because then now the people who bought their first NFT, they can literally sell the NFT that they bought from me at 0.08 and they can sell it for double in which the ETH that they got it for or 0.14 or 0.15 or whatever, you know, give or take. So right then and there, I just, I knew from the beginning, like I just had to have confidence in myself, fuck that validation shit. I have to have confidence in myself to front end that value. So anybody who might, I might only be their first NFT can literally sell it for double in which they got it for in the current state of my, my, uh, my collection. So I was intentional about those things. Um, and yeah, so that's what it is. And it allows for me to create freely amongst my other things that I'm doing. Oh, like, and also like the value I'm, uh, you can get like 15% off at this place called BF5 coffee here in Chicago. I'm about to lock in another one with this Jamaican spot in Chicago, which is amazing. And then I'm in a talks with a, a restaurant, like a, a pretty high end restaurant. It's a Japanese restaurant in Los Angeles. Uh, and right now, I think we're in a, I think we're in the talks of getting my plug holders in Los Angeles free drinks at this uh, Japanese restaurant. So y'all got to oh. plug when you pull up. You know what I'm saying? So go ahead, that's that's today, you know what I'm saying? That yeah, no yeah. yeah. So shit Word like that, up. bro. So then now the plug is actually the plug. You feel me? Yeah, that's pretty dope. I'll give you 100% on that one, man. Damn. I'll take that all day. So... Wow. So you got, you're literally building in like real utility into your project, like all the time you're working, you're doing some biz dev deals locally. You're, uh, you know, basically giving as much utility to your project as possible so that people are still, they could find use cases for it and be like, yo, I got the, I got the plug NFT. That's why I can get free drinks here. What? And I mean, like access is where it's at. I mean, that's what these Twitter spaces and clubhouse did in the first place was give us access. And now like, using nfts to give access to people also is pretty amazing i can see like a 10k project a 5k project but you're doing it on like 888 that's that's pretty amazing and i think that's a kind of gives you i mean it, you already know how that works you're, you're basically spooling up to actually make that work for your your generative project too because you now have expertise reaching out biz dev wise to make these partnerships and say hey here's this 
and we'll be doing this also. So when this does, you know, when this project mints out, you're gonna have this many more people that are gonna be working with you. So that makes a lot of sense. That's awesome, man. It does. Yo, Logic, how many of your peers that you grew up with uh, are reaching out to you to genuinely learn about Web3 or point them in a direction? Do you think it's like a high percentage? Or you- Bro, I can't keep up. I can't keep up with my DMs. If you send me a DM and then I respond to you, it's kind of like sending me a smoke signal at this point. Um, but when it first started, people were mad excited, but everybody wanted a, a quick get rich situation. And that's just not how it, how it works. Um, I've I, I spent hours, countless hours um, on Clubhouse and Twitter spaces. And I was in a room earlier, Stacky was in here earlier, but what helps people helps business, man. And I think a lot of times people are like, me, 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 versus uh, help, 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 help. And um, I think that's one of the things that, you know, added value to what I'm creating because it doesn't just make sense for you to just look at what logic is doing. I'm like, I want, I don't, like me being in these corporate structures, like working at these places and my black ass, the only one at the table, that shit sucks, man. I can't laugh at none of the jokes genuinely, you know what I'm saying? I, it just, the, the reference points and what the fuck we talking about is just not the same. But I had to learn those things, like me moving from Ferguson to the boondocks. I learned that our senses of humor is different, <laughs> you know, and how to play that game and blah, 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 because it is a game. And, and, and unfortunately, um, in, in this world, especially when we start to look at how uh, when we start to look at successful artists in this space, everything's based on fucking relationships. And most people don't have context as to how relationships are built. Um, and, you know, you got to get outside, like we said, get outside of your cities. But it's also, you got to, it's like, how do you navigate these ivory tower type situations? Because if you see a lot of successful teams, they're not just being, those collaborations are not being forged on Twitter spaces. Those things are not being forged on Clubhouse. Uh, those things are being created by face-to-face -face relationships. Um, my, 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 I have a drop with the, oh, I do, I have a drop, drop coming with the Chicago Bulls next month. Um, it's an animation that I did. It's called I Got Next. Uh, which is a double entendre because you say I got next when you're at a pickup game, which is my man's at a pickup game. And then uh, and then I got next in an art game, um, which is an iteration of a painting that I did because I'm a, I'm a traditional painter, photographer. I'm really and I'm, a, I'm looking at this shit from all, all spectrums um, in order to create this world and which I want to I, I want to create or I am creating. And it doesn't do me any justice just to fucking make art <laughs> because business is good art. Fucking uh, being doing strategy is good art. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm trying to get that Andy Warhol quote, but pretty much business is the best art. You feel me? So, um, yeah, man, biz dev is a thing. And uh, again, I front ended a lot of these relationships um, early on in my career uh, to be able to have this perspective. Um, and when we talk about access, Lucas, like you spoke about, um, a lot of people when we talk about these these big collaborations or these big uh, NFT um, uh, collections like 10,000 and you inherit 6,000 followers. Most of those people ain't never been VIP nowhere. Most of those people ain't never been backstage nowhere. Most of those people ain't never created no type of event for 10 people. None, none, none of these things. And I'm not saying that they have to, but I think that goes into sustainability and really realizing what the user experience could, could and maybe should look like um, on and off the internet because most of these people are only internet gangsters. Or internet, <laughs> and that's like... That's oh, so no. true. That part is so true. <laughs> that part is true. Um, <laughs> that's funny that you say that. Um, d did you do your contract? 
have a I have a dev. Uh, my dev is Satoshi Goat. He went to Carnegie Mellon, which is like the Harvard of fucking computer programming schools, computer science schools. And we met IRL. So like I go to lunch with my dev, which is a blessing that I have. Then I'm not sending some something weird over to some weird avatar in another country or whatever. So I have that luxury and he's a creative as well. So I don't even have to get that prescriptive. I mean, I do, but he can see the things that I'm seeing and we uh, have a nice little collaboration uh going on so do you yeah do you um have any urge to learn solidity bro i tried to learn uh i learned c plus plus back in the day and then i tried to learn html and then i tried to get on action script because it would make my uh my files my flash file smaller but i don't have the attention span for that shit i just need to focus on the bigger picture my thing is to be the point guard the quarterback i don't have I don't there you go you're the leader here. dude yeah you're the yeah. leader you're the <laughs> place you're like Theoretically, like, uh, you know, a person that's in charge usually is like the product manager. You know what I mean? Like, you're like now uh, that your product is what you're working on, and then you're the manager of that product. So you have devs working for you. You have creative, you know, stuff people working for you. You have content writers working for you. And that, those people, you know, you basically make the direction and, uh, you know, basically set the set sail. And then they, they start executing on, you know, basically their to-dos. So yeah, it's, most that, people are, it's way most... smarter. Yeah. yeah, most people are task-oriented anyway, which is, you know, sad, not really sad to say, but most people, like, I learned this when I was in animation, while I was doing my animation track in Columbia College, Chicago, most of them were doing cartoons based on IP that existed already. Um, they weren't, and if they cultivated a story, it was a derivative of something else that already existed. Um, and when I found out that most people, when you get a job in animation, your job is to color in the cells. Your job is to do the backgrounds. Your job is to uh, rig the characters. And I was like, bro, there's no way I'm about to be out here shading cells on a fucking cartoon or uh, just painting backdrops. My attention span don't call for it. I like to think a lot bigger, which is why I took the advertising route because then I learned about campaign work. I learned about the whole entire journey um, that wasn't just limited to a, a small part of the pie. So my thing was, I didn't want to waste my time on shit that I can teach myself versus learning the science behind uh like the psychology of marketing right because that's something where you you get really you get better at through trial and error and just doing it over and over versus me doing something that i love like photography or animation or or uh painting and stuff like that like i don't i didn't feel like i need to go to fucking school to learn how to paint it's like just spend some hours in the fucking studio watch some youtube videos if you need to but learning to animate i found that would be that was a little bit more uh, that took a lot more labor and, and, and it's nice to have somebody to guide you through those things. But that's why I kind of took those tools. Um, and then I went to marketing advertising university while they were paying me to, to be a grunt. So it's really just like looking at where all these, I was bringing these, these, adding these things to my arsenal, uh, animation, culture, fucking traveling, blah, blah, blah. So I can see the, see the shit from the, from an aerial view. I mean, Steve Jobs didn't know how to fucking program. You know what I'm saying? He didn't need to. No, um, he's, so. <laughs> he was also considered like a pioneer. Think about that. He's a pioneer. Doesn't know how to program, doesn't know how to code, doesn't know how to do any of these things. And uh, you're right. He doesn't need to do any of those things to be considered this like genius behind this, basically genius behind and in front of the scenes. He was the company's best salesperson, the company's best marketing and promotions person they had. So that's what he did best was he knew what was great 
and he made everybody, even though it was very painful to work with him at sometimes, he made everybody basically step up. You know what I mean? Like they were at a, let's just say they were like submitting B plus product. They were like, he was like, no, A only. And no matter how much people didn't like working with him, at the end of the day, they did say every one of them too. It was like, hey, you know, he might have been hard to work with, but he definitely pulled things out of me I didn't think I had in me. And he made me operate at such a high high level that, you know, our small team, our small nimble team was able to like, could smoke like a four or 500 person. Our, our team of 10 could have smoked a four or 500 person team at like product development because they were just so good and so like challenged every day. And that challenge really makes you, I mean, it's stress, but it's like, it's like a good stress. It's a, Hey, I, I dare you. I challenge you to be better than you are. I challenge and you, then you challenge you to be better than you think you are. Cause clearly you think you're at this level and you think this is your best work. Well, I'm going to challenge that and try to get more work out of you. That's actually at a higher quality. And most people, 99% of the people did it for him. So you're hundred percent right, man. You don't need to be a coder. You don't need to be any of these things except for like your best salesperson, your best marketing person. Um, and you just have to know what you're doing and know the, know your roadmap. Basically it doesn't matter if it's a business, if it's a art, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're bringing them on a journey, you just want to know the start middle and perceived end to it all. And not even an end as in end as in like three years from now, where are we going to be? Like, as long as you have like a, a vision of where you want to be and kind of like your, your pillars of like success, like that's all you really need for people to get behind you and for you to actually make decisions and say, Hey, this is what we need to do. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. Go to town. And then you can actually determine from like numbers, whether they're doing their job or not. Like you can just look at the analytics and be like, you know what? I can tell, you know, you're not really working this as hard as you used to because the numbers have fallen like 20%. What can I do to make you help you be more successful? It's just like one of those things. And, and one of the boss now. <laughs> and one of the things that, um, so if anybody's seen any of my artwork, you see a lot of my art on Instagram is my same at as it is on Twitter. And pretty much all my characters have one eye blacked out, the right eye blacked out. And that's because I feel like most of us go through life seeing half the picture. We just go through life with the lights off and we aren't conscious of the things that we're doing. We're just kind of like just going through the motions and you just wake up at the age of 60 like, what the fuck did I just do? Um, and me moving, that's why I always like to just kind of encourage people to do intentional learning because it's all these intangible things that really make up uh, that, that me being able to make decisions quickly and efficiently um, and also I always have my mind watching itself. Like I'm very conscious of what I'm thinking and my habits and stuff like that. And the reason I'm saying that is because once you get into these corporate rooms in which they have millions and millions or hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars and budget to do things, I'm here to tell you right now that those people are not more creative or smarter than any of you. Uh, they're, they're not, it's just a, it's a fact. Most of those people, like I said earlier, they go to work and go home. Um, and they just, you know, they, they patiently waited their way to the top of the ranks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and just having that, that sense of, uh, self, I guess, uh, sense of self and, um, a keen perspective on what you bring to that table. And if you can back it with, uh, lived experiences or, or examples, blah, blah, blah. And then if you, a cold motherfucker, add some data points on there, cause you can't, numbers don't lie. 
uh, then then you can convince people, you can move rooms, uh, you can initiate uh, activations, you can get you can get sponsorships, you can get do whatever you want. Um, and this is like you know, learn how to package your thoughts and blah. But my whole thing was again, since I've been doing this intentionally, and I'm not even fucking around since I was 16. Like and like I've been on purpose. Okay, I'm about to transition to digital because this is where the shit's going. And then, you know, learning about flipping domains. But it was all just like tinkering for understanding. It was all just to get to the bigger picture as to looking at the world and seeing everybody just a cutout or a replica of each other. And, uh, you know, understanding that most people don't know what they like until you put it in front of them. So it's just this whole thing of no one really knows what's happening. No one really has the answers. And what that did was it gave me much more confidence to trust the lines that I was laying down on my pieces of paper. Um, and really, if you have some rough, if you rough around the edges, then you learn that you just need to smooth them motherfuckers out, cross your T's and dot your I's. And if you learn how to package and execute, then you just a bad motherfucker. You know, it's just, but it takes time and effort and, um, and patience and really falling in love with that, with that, with that process and that journey. And um, like my, where I am now, I, I pictured it. It was a feeling. It was a fucking feeling, me being able to travel. Like, I don't know. I summoned up my friend who's a, um, he's a flight attendant. I get to fly for free, essentially. I get the friends and family buddy pass, and I get to exist nice. in places. You know what I'm, But I, I, I conjured that shit up 10 years ago. I conjured up my, my <laughs> art studios as playgrounds. I had my, my art studios by the time I was like 24. And this was, look, I'm telling you, it was, I was strapped for the cash. But I had, uh, I had a, my first studio had a fucking, one of my second one had an elevator inside of it. I was like, did I fucking make it? I couldn't put no furniture really in there, but I was, it was, it, I had my playgrounds. I could do cartwheels in there. My whole thing was, I want to be able to do cartwheels in my house. I don't need hallways. I'm only 23. I'm only 24. And it was really like, it was a feeling. And when you have that feeling that you believe in, that informs your yes, how you, what you say yes to and what you say no to. It doesn't have to be a concrete thing. Like, I'm going to be the greatest this that and the third you really just have to have a direction and emotion and tap in on that and it'll, and it'll really inform the people you interact with the decisions you make the things that you feel valuable to your time and then when you do like i turned down stuff that wanted to pay me for shit i wanted to do for free because i found that to be more valuable to the things that i wanted to do for the future of what i'm doing versus the thing that somebody they they offered me x amount of bands and then they put a dick on top of it so it's this whole thing like you just gotta, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's fucking go! <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. I love the energy level, man. That's fucking dope. So, uh, shit, man. Tim, you got some questions for Logic over here? I guess, I guess no. Uh, question to you, Logic. What is the, what is the best and worst part of the web three space right now or the NFT space for you? Like, give me the, give me your top moment and your like, like worst kind of like moment in the uh, NFT transition. You said my best and worst moments or my favorite. And yeah, yeah. Your best components your best of web three. And your, your, yeah. Your web, your best version in web three, your best incident that actually happened in web three or best experience. And then you know, like your worst experience in like web three. Uh, I would say, especially making the, especially making the transition. So, yeah, to be honest, bro, I've never really, I've never been rugged before. Um, I just didn't sell when I was supposed to sell, sell the damn thing. 
because uh, I'll diamond hand that bitch to the bottom, uh, unfortunately. Um, and uh, but mostly, I think the best part of it is, and I'm, this is me. I don't, I don't think I really have bad moments. I think when I have my bad moments is when I start to doubt myself, which is things that happen. Like I'll be in my crib, like yo, this is crazy. I can like not sell none of this shit. Like no one just be like decide that they not fucking with your boy. And, you know, I'm more so concerned about my ego. I'm a Leo, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your boy just had a birthday yesterday on my Pippin, Jesus <laughs> numbers, you know what I'm saying? So it's more so like concerned about the ego that will be inflamed if something doesn't happen. But the most optimistic part, I have a couple, man, and this is more so for the space uh, representing black and brown people, is that uh, unlike Web2, like the dot-com boom, there was finite resources for people in regards to having a computer, in regards to having just a know-how to even capitalize on a dot-com boom. But with Web3, all you have to do is have your phone. You can fucking program on your phone um, and, and or just uh, politic and build uh, in a way in this space that was never able to happen for early adopters. Kind of like my example when I was at Google and no one in, that, in, in my vicinity, in my team, knew what the fuck was going on. That's just promise for everybody in this space that's been here for months and months and months or years is to, it's time for you to create your own whatever it is because most of these people are scrambling to get to the space. No matter how much money they have, you don't need the capital per se in this space to necessarily thrive. So it just kind of like leveled out the opportunities, but also access to resources is still a thing. I mean, limited access to resources but that's one of the most promising things that I've seen in this space uh, for uh, like someone like Wahid Zai, a kid from Afghanistan, being able to make a couple million dollars in this space, or somebody like Latasha, who found a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, success in this space. That's fucking dope. Like none of without Web three, none of that shit would have been possible uh, this soon or this quick. You know, so those are some of my most opportune things. And for me. I guess I said a couple because I think it's mostly been positive than it has been negative. Um, like I launched my three. It's definitely been more positive for me too. Yeah, bro. I just, I don't even think I I don't even think that way. Really, if this shit go to the left, maybe I didn't I didn't follow up on a meeting. Like I got a meeting in six minutes, unfortunately. But uh, it was like I launched my three day event called Segoya NFT NYC, and I did it in a couple months, and it was a great turnout. And I created a space for voices that usually don't get, you know, heard or whatever. Um, and I did it in Dumbo, Brooklyn at the exact same time as NFT NYC because I was like, fuck that shit. It's like $600 a ticket. Come to myself for free. And it's really, again, this space oh. has allowed for me to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because sponsors, there was no way I would have been able to uh, raise six figures in sponsorship money in a month before Web3. It was no, it was no way, bro. It was no fucking way. Um, so these are the things. And also I was able to donate 30 K to, uh, my, my monopoly profit Chiba center, my language school to help the, the senseis who were taking all their time out of their day to actually teach the people. So I was able to subsidize their salaries for a bit, uh, to continue to teach Japanese class. Like this shit is what web three is offering all the other, uh, the, the, the down downfalls is, um, uh, it's a gated no matter, yes, it is, uh, it is open for everyone to be a part of, but it's still access that, like, I was at the convention center, X, NFT Expoverse, and I was with a bunch of people, and they were like, yeah, because, you know, the opportunities for everybody, everybody can be in here. I was like, bro, y'all in here delusional as fuck. I was like, 
Um, first of all, the ticket costs 150 bucks, which is not crazy, but it's a thing. Ticket costs 150 bucks. It's in Los Angeles. And the, the relationships are based on the people you meet, in my opinion, IRL more often than not. And in this circle was somebody who worked in film, like they were heavy in film. It was somebody who was a fucking lawyer. And it was this person that worked at Nifty, uh, Nifty Kit. And it was this other person here. I was like, just by the simple fact of me being here with this lawyer, this person working film, this person at Nifty Kit, I already got a leg up on everybody else who live in the middle of nowhere and don't even have access or resources to have the background that I have to communicate to the lawyer, to communicate or even have a reason to talk to the person in film. So right then and there, uh, my access, when I drop on the internet, everyone's wondering why I got this crazy fucking project that's sponsored by Nifty Kit that got the top actors in it. And uh, and my smart contract and my legal shit uh, tighten up. That you know what I'm saying? Like these access things is just um, uh, so I think just trying to provide more of these uh, these conferences or whatever is just making much more accessible is probably the biggest downfall because NFT NYC is a shit show. Um, yeah, I said it. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree at all. I, I could I couldn't agree more. I, Totally. And I, I actually think that's super powerful what you just said, like giving people access they normally wouldn't have. Like you, the more work you put in, the more connections you make, the more, you know what I mean? The more leverage you have over the next person coming into the space today. So because you started early, because a lot of us started early in the space, um, we'll, we'll definitely have a leg up. And then like, and hopefully we, uh, we end up sending as much of the elevator back down to help people get on board into the space as possible. So it's easier for people to actually get in here and not find it as intimidating. Cause when I, when I came into the space, dude, I straight up, honestly, I didn't have faith in NFTs because the artist couldn't sell the artists I knew had hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and Instagram and could not sell their art um, for even $9 a print. And I was like, so you're going to sell your art. <laughs> for $3,000 or $6,000 as an NFT, but you can't sell your art for $9 a print. Like that didn't make any sense to me. I'm a business guy. I've been in the tech, tech and entrepreneurial space for 20 years. It's like, huh. And I can tell you right now, man, the data doesn't lie. Like his his stuff sold out um, very quickly. He made over 30 ETH and just like sold out his first collection. I was just like, wow. And then like the next person I helped, same thing happened. It was a little bit longer than a half an hour and it sold out all of his all of his NFTs for like 20 ETH. And I was like, okay, so I don't know what, what's going on here, but he obviously is touching on another audience of crypto enthusiasts and collectors that he, his normal user base doesn't make up. So he's not only building his community in the crypto space, which before he was not in the crypto space, and then now he's building it. Uh, he's, he's getting new followers and he's getting new people that are buying his, not only just his art, but also all the other things that he was selling that wasn't NFT based, right? That whole NFT audience that broke out, he, they were all purchasing everything, all the other digital assets he was selling online. And it was just a windfall of like revenue. I think he makes like $2 million a year now off of like all of his digital asset sales. Uh, and it's just increasing. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing stuff to watch that go from like three grand a month to like, like copious amounts of money. Really dope, man. You are an inspiration to us all, man. Like the way you talk, the energy you have, like you left Google to start your own thing. And now you're just like, you just sound like a super happy, like genuinely 
super interested in the space. Like you, you, you're authentically like a full web three, like maxi. And it's pretty dope to see, man. So mad respect to you and just the ambition. And, and like I said, you could just tell how excited you are about like tomorrow, at least from my standpoint, you've got me fooled at least if you're not. <laughs> nah, man, I've been, so, I've been, I feel like I've been preparing for this my whole life. I got like, that's awesome. Like 18 awesome. years. I got like 18 years of like, and what I call, like we said, intentional learning, uh, uh, from tech culture, art, um, just coming to now is like, when I saw it, bro, it was like music to my ears. I was like, fucking that shit proves origin when it was created, providence. And it was a rap, bro. I was like, tell me more. And then when I learned it was more than just <laughs> pictures and I saw people doing some crazy shit on here, man, it was, it was like, let me not just jump to this because there's a whole new world in this thing. And that's why I just urged a lot of artists um, to just kind of look at this and look how deep this rabbit hole is going. Um, is you can create some undeniable things, <clears throat> which just encouraged uh, my thing, my, my company called Studio Logic to go from just me creating art to being almost like just an advisory company or agency as well. Uh, because the simple things that you do whether it's tokenomics and stuff of that nature, you learn how to package it so people can understand what's happening. And then you realize most people don't even know how to do any of this stuff and they've got companies. Now you're taking a piece of their pie or you're getting equity and all that stuff. My thing is to play the business side and to do the art as well um, and do whatever the fuck I want and to advise people to just even improve their projects, even just 20%, 15%, 10%, and it'll do wonders for them and uh, I can educate them in a capacity uh, in which this advice, I would have, yeah. It's just, it's, 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 it's nuts, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear the passion though, man. There's there's not a lot of people, especially now during the bear market, like not a lot of passionate people right now. I feel like I'm, I'm like one of them. I feel like a couple other people, like Tim's definitely one of them. You are like above and beyond passionate about what you do. So that's pretty awesome to like, to like hear that. So it's not just like, it doesn't sound like a rehearsed or routine. You just like, let's fucking go. So I, I love the energy, man. That's there's a there's a saying, I mean, like, I don't know, people are fucking weird, man, especially like the artists, like getting a hand in on sale. And it's like, bro, like you said, your man's not even selling prints for nine bucks. And people are here like, I'm not selling my pieces for a thousand bucks. You weren't selling shit before Web3. I was just understanding like <laughs> what the issue is. And it's like uh, this thing uh, Lil Wayne quoted, and I quote it all the time because I think it's just a testament as to Fuck this bear market. It's um, what he said. He said, uh, "Y'all get money, and then y'all go crazy. I go crazy, and then I get money." Uh, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between creating at the mercy of the re the return on investment of your time or whatever the fuck it is versus something that you love to do and you're going to do it regardless. And then you reap the benefits of something that you're passionate yeah, about. Yeah, that's what it sounds you like to I'm me. It's like basically, yeah, Little Wayne's just being himself and laying it down, like his music laying it down. And then people just like, people resonate with it. And then he gets paid. He's going to be doing it no matter what. Then he gets paid instead of like getting paid. And then he's like, all right, now I'm worth like this much. I think that's where a lot of NFT artists like kind of fail too is like they, overpriced their art like instantly and like all of a sudden they're like well how come no one's buying my art and they're like asking like three ETH for like a for like their first nft and i'm like guys like you can't just i don't mean to underprice you but it's like start off start off small right start off 
test a couple price levels and like come into the space and like see how see what works see what the market's willing to pay for your art and then build up your audience to a point where you have so many people ready for your art that when you do put it out at you know a half eth or an eth it then sells but you got to build your reputation in the space and like build up like a community people a thousand true fans is a is a totally true thing if you don't have a thousand true fans i mean start building them one by one that's what these spaces are for that's what twitter's for that's what like discord's for start making friends build up those fans and then you can like play with pricing then you can play with like just selling your art in the first place like you just said you didn't even have a thousand dollars before that like you wouldn't make two hundred dollars on that digital art you're selling as an nft you know two years ago three years ago but now you are but now all of a sudden you want instead of 200 you want 2000 it's like wait a minute like build up to the you know what i mean the to your it's much easier to mind. bring it it's, it's like challenging yeah. yourself to bring the floor up versus trying to it's much harder to yeah floor or five years that's what i'm saying uh then yeah. to you people feel like they got in on a get in like my project dropped, dropped at point zero eight, and everybody who got it at point zero eight can literally uh, part of the floor, sell it for double what it is. And, um, yeah, so, th- you know, just adding value in a way that just isn't just about, like, yeah, let me just... People like to try to cannibalize the first drop uh, <laughs> in front of the beginning, uh, and you just kind of shoot yourself in the foot. And then now you got that, they lowered their price, their price of this art piece from 10 ETH to 0.1 ETH, oh, and you're looking like a goofy. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Right? No, but for real, I just, I'm just saying, like, it's definitely smart to start off low. Like, um, I'm pretty smart with the cert- certain categories in business and in marketing and all sorts of stuff. But you know what I mean? I, I'm only va- as valuable as the market's willing to, to bear. You know what I'm saying? Like, even me with, like, decades of experience, like, I never think, oh, I'll never take anything less than this. Like, no way, dude. It's like, find out what the market's willing to bear and... I mean, I sold NFTs last year and, uh, and in 2020, like my first NFT I ever sold, I made like 400 bucks off it. And I was unbelievably psyched. I was like, holy buck, holy cow, I just sold something I wouldn't normally sell for $400. Otherwise, I'd get nothing for it. And I was like, wait a minute, what's happening here? And that's what made me dive into this rabbit hole also. It's like, I didn't think my art was like so amazing. Although I look back at it now and it's pretty dope, but it's not like, Oh my God, I wish I would, I should have, I shouldn't have devalued myself. I should have got like $400,000 for this or some crazy, some crazy number. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. People come into the space and they instantly are like, okay, my art's not going to be anything less than an ETH. And I'm like, please, I'm not trying to devalue you, but build a reputation. You have to start over here in a way. Like you can bring some of your offline in real life audience with you. If you're a traditional artist. But if you're literally starting over from selling, if you never sold your art literally online, and you, but you're just an amazing artist, you're starting over like in a theory with your your audience. You actually have to start to build trust around what you're doing, that you're going to be here, that you're that all you want to do is keep creating and building for the future, especially in this space. And I think you can win pretty easily just because like authenticity and like your passion, like right there, dude, that makes me want to buy another one of your plugs. Like your uh, your eights, I I have one of myself by the way. Um, they're dope, dude. And there the was like it's just the whole what you're doing is definitely dope. And I'm so glad you came to talk to us today, man. Mad respect. Nah, man, Luke, I appreciate you. Thank you, man. I yeah, appreciate dude. you tapping in. 
Um, I did just drop a, a merch collection that I forgot to announce. I just put the I put it up there in, up. in the what, yeah. the, note, the crow's nest or whatever they fucking call it. Um, and the piece that's featured is uh, it, it's a hat. It says "Head in the Clouds," and then there's actually like a little mini cloud underneath it. And I got a few other pieces, like a hat that says "Rose Paved in Gold." Which is just not borrowing from the American, you know, terminology like the line of milk and honey. But every hat that says "Rose Paved in Gold" is, is a bespoke piece, a one of one, and it says "Walk a Mile in My Shoes," uh, hand painted on leather that's stitched on the side of the hat, and a few other pieces like from my Savoy NFT NYC event for some shirts that failed to make it <laughs> to to the event on time, and a few other pieces on there. Um, but I definitely appreciate you uh, interviewing me. I do got to hop into this meeting. Um, that I post, I pushed off for eight minutes. So, um, Word. I, hey, to, I very yeah. much appreciate you being here, though, man. Very much. And then uh, maybe we can have you back in like a couple of months to see like where you're at progressively, where you're at. So we can actually like be like, yo, look at Logic's doing now. Hey, fuck yeah. There's going to be a lot happening in the next few months. Uh, shout out to my, uh, yeah, shout out to the homies all down there. I see y'all. I appreciate y'all for pulling up. Lucas, Tim, appreciate y'all for showing your boy love. I might be hosting a room a little later, so tap in with me. Uh, I'll talk to y'all later. Right, Yo, man, appreciate you, Logic. Logic, everybody, if you're not following him, follow him ASAP Rocky. He's dope. Yeah. Good I didn't mean to put a, a laughing emoji. Peace out. Yep. No, it's all good, dude. Any emoji works. So, uh, hey, Tim, did you get a chance to look at the. Uh, that was awesome, man. Logic's a good people. Yeah, and he definitely has a background that's worth listening to, um, and he's not afraid to tell his story, and you can tell that he's passionate. Yeah, man. He's dope. Mad respect.